The following is a presentation of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Powered by Learfield. Welcome to Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics. Fantrice's debut continues to impress. Four touchdown passes has just tied a Georgia Southern school record. It is 44-7. Inside Eagle Nation is brought to you by Morris Bank. It pays to bank blue. Bud Light. Responsibility has its rewards. Enjoy responsibly. And by Savannah Hilton Head International Airport. Shot fake to get around Anderson. Lane, there's another highlight reel dunk. Check the rim and check the bolts. He almost ripped it off the backboard. It's a game-by-game thing with Kamari Brown. Eagles fans, this is your all-access pass to all things true blue. It's time to take you inside Eagle Nation. And as Coach Russell will say, you ain't seen nothing yet. And now, here's your host, the voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed. Eagle Nation, it's great to see you again. Episode 213 of the Inside Eagle Nation podcast. And they say this is the most wonderful time of the year. Well, there's a lot of different ways that that's the truth, at least if you're a member of Eagle Nation. We're still a week away from the 2022 Camellia Bowl, but on the gridiron over the weekend in the NFL, Jarek McKinnon playing for the Kansas City Chiefs scored the walk-off touchdown to beat the Houston Texans. Tyler Bass in the snow for the Buffalo Bills kicked the game-winning field goal over the Miami Dolphins. And especially when you bring up Bass and game-winning field goals, maybe that's a good omen for Georgia Southern football seven days from now in Montgomery against the Buffalo Bulls in the 2022 Camellia Bowl, but we've got a lot more on that a little bit later on. We'll talk with Director of Football Equipment Operations, Andy Harris, and get a preview of Buffalo, who had to win its final game of the season against Akron just to get to bowl eligibility. We'll have Buffalo News beat writer Rachel Lindsay to tell us more about our visitors from New York. We'll also talk about victories for both basketball teams and welcome in Georgia Southern's newest head coach. But starting off this week, we have to offer our congratulations to our student-athletes. Setting a program record for fall GPA, 3.08 collective GPA, all across our 17 sports and more than 400 student-athletes. What an accomplishment to close out the fall. For those of you that were part of graduation ceremonies last week, we can't thank you enough for your contribution to Georgia Southern University. For those that still have work to do, we can't wait to learn more about you, and we'll do our best to share those stories right here each week on Inside Eagle Nation. Our personnel note takes us to the pitch for Georgia Southern men's soccer. A new leader for the program is Lee Squires was announced as the new head coach last week. A native of Sheffield, England, he spent the previous eight years with Division II Lander, winning 100 matches and posting three undefeated seasons, four Peach Belt regular season championships, two tournament championships, and his squads ended the regular season ranked number five in the country in 2018 and 2020. During his tenure with Lander, he also served as the head coach for two years with Greenville FC. If you see Coach Squires roaming around campus, welcome him to Eagle Nation. We can't wait to see what they do in the fall. Georgia Southern women's basketball continues its blazing pace now with six consecutive victories after an 83-65 win over the College of Charleston last Friday. Simone James scored a career-high 24 points. Taryn Ward posted another double-double with 22 points and 10 rebounds. The team is now 8-1 to finish up non-conference play. That is the best start for the program since an 11-1 clip began the 1979 season. They'll be off until December the 29th for the start of Sunbelt Conference play. They welcome the Texas State Bobcats to Hannah Fieldhouse for a 5 p.m. tip. 
That is the first of a doubleheader to open league play on the 29th with the men to follow against South Alabama at 8 p.m. For Georgia Southern men's basketball, two games last week to round out that six-game homestand, falling on Wednesday to Moorhead State 74-71, nearly coming back from a 16-point deficit. In fact, they were down by 10 with under a minute to play, but ended up only cutting it to three in the final moments on a Tyron Moore triple. Andre Savrasov, though, was fantastic, tied a career high with 22 points, set a new career high with 12 rebounds in his third double-double of the season. But a scary moment came up with 2.14 to play, a nasty collision for fifth-year senior Kamari Brown. The game was stopped for 15 minutes as he was tended to. He was placed on a backboard, then onto a stretcher and taken to the hospital. Good news for Kamari is that he was back at practice with his teammates the very next day. The bad news is he will be out until at least the start of conference play on the 29th in concussion protocol after the injury suffered against Moorhead State. But the fact that Kamari was simply able to rejoin his buddies the very next day and was sitting on the bench for the Saturday matchup against Campbell, we know he's got a lot more to take care of in his final season in Statesboro. And speaking of that Campbell matchup on Saturday afternoon, it was the second straight year that Georgia Southern was playing the Fighting Camels, got the victory up in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina last season by a 69-66 final. The last time that Campbell visited Hanner, it was 2013, head coach Kevin McGeehan's first season leading the program. That game was decided on a Campbell buzzer beater. Well, this one came down to the wire, too. The biggest lead in the game was seven points. The biggest lead in the final nine minutes was just four points. Georgia Southern, though, after a Campbell miss with 18 seconds, had one final opportunity. Tyron Moore chucked up a three from the left wing that found the iron, but Jalen Finch went high to grab the offensive rebound, came back to the ground, got a timeout called before the travel, allowing Georgia Southern to set up one final play. In the Eagle huddle, who was going to take the shot? In the Campbell huddle, were they going to use their final foul to give because they only had committed five fouls up to that point of the game? The inbounds pass came from Andre Saversoff with 5.7 seconds left. Ty Strickland swept across the lane, banked it in with 1.6 left, his only field goal of the second half. And Georgia Southern hung on to defeat Campbell 54-53. We had a chance to talk with Ty on the Ford Locker Room wrap-up, and he walked us through that final play. I like to get to the rim, and uh, when they drew it up, he said, uh, just pop out, grab the ball, and go strong right. So, um, and the Coach Vell, he came up to me and said, no flopping, <laughs> no runners. You know, I, I know you like your runners. No runners, no flopping. Get in there. You've been in the weight room all summer. <laughs> Use it and get to the rim. And that's just what I did, and I was able to make a play. You know, to think about how that got set up after the missed three for Jalen to pick up that offensive rebound. That's something that He only has three offensive rebounds all year. Huge. That's one of the best plays I think that this team has made all year to give you that chance to do that. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And that's that's all what it's all about. I mean, we really wanted to win this game. We showed the grit. We showed the, the, the term, determination that, you know, come March and come February that we we're going to really need and we're going to really need to show. And, you know, we, we, this is something to build upon. Special as well for head coach Brian Berg, who started his Division I coaching career at Campbell four years under former Eagle assistant Robbie Lang from 2009 through 2013. Important to beat Campbell again, but also an important checkpoint for the 2022 Eagles. I give credit to our staff. You know, Chris Shoemake came up with a suggestion and was able to even draw it up where we we're going to rip, go straight to the rim with Ty. Uh, give credit to the players as well as Ty's execution and also Coach Shue uh, did a great job calling that play. 
Uh, but proud of our players. I didn't think we had a lot going our way today, but found a way to be able to pull out a victory. I talked about this with Ty, but Jalen's offensive rebound to get the timeout call, that's going to go down as one of the great plays of the season. That was a great play. You know, he went up, got it with two hands. Uh, we were able to call a timeout as he was coming down. That allowed us to be able to run that play. It just seemed that the fight between two teams, the guts that both showed, it was a really compelling way to finish the game. And then with, the, with basically a buzzer beater, that was pretty cool stuff too. Yeah, I thought it was a great hard-fought game, especially in December. Two teams battling. Um, just very fortunate we were able to come out with a win. What part of the film is going to get the most attention as you get ready for the Cardinals? Well, we're going to break down things down. Uh, we got to get a better rhythm offensively, um, finding a way to be able to score some more points defensively, continuing to try to get stops. Um, but just all around, you know, you're trying to get better this time of year to be able to prepare for conference. We're going to use that time wisely and try to get better. Would you call this a culture win? It's a great win. Yeah, great for our players, great for our guys. Yeah, fortunate to pull out that win against a good – well-coached uh, team. Georgia Southern finishes up non-conference play tomorrow night in Muncie, Indiana. Another back end of a home-and-home home from 2021. Georgia Southern at Ball State from Worthen Arena. Remember, that was the season opener in 2021 when Georgia Southern turned back the Cardinals 82-71, to putting six in double figures in the first matchup between the schools in 46 years. Well, this is Georgia Southern's first trip to Muncie since 1974 as they play their 13th and final non-conference game before Sunbelt play starts on the 29th against South Alabama. Tip-off from Muncie, Indiana, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. We'll be on the air at 6.30 with the Cutwater Spirits countdown to tip-off. Eagle Nation, we promised you football talk and football talk we have. After this timeout, we'll sit down with Georgia Southern Director of Football Equipment Operations, Andy Harris. He chronicles how to get all that bowl gear together and how you plan for a five-day road trip to Montgomery. We'll talk about that next on Inside Eagle Nation. Morse Bank is proud to be the Georgia Southern football season presenting sponsor. We've got a lot of Eagles on our team, so we know what it means to bleed blue. Believe, lead, understand, and excel are our principles which Morse Bank was built. Even though things are constantly changing, our commitment to our customers is stronger than ever. Just like the family feel of Georgia Southern, we still say hello when you walk into any of our locations. Because Morris Bank hasn't forgotten that our customers and communities are what it's really all about. And that's what we mean when we say it pays to bank blue. Morris Bank, member FDIC. Back with more of the Inside Eagle Nation podcast, prepping for the 2022 Camellia Bowl in Montgomery between Georgia Southern and Buffalo. We have made our way to the bowels of the FOC, to the equipment area, talking with Director of Equipment Operations Andy Harris, currently in the middle of year three in Statesboro. We've got to go back to the Appalachian State game because as we knew going in, the winner of that game was going to be bowl eligible. So Georgia Southern didn't know that Georgia Southern was playing in this bowl game or going to be eligible for a bowl game until Ezra Archie caught that touchdown in double overtime. But what kind of preparations were made regardless of what happened that game? So regard, regardless of what happened during that game, we had already in place our sizing charts for all of our bowl gear that we were going to purchase, stuff like that that we could work ahead on whether we were in or we were out of a bowl game. Once the result happened, how quickly does that process have to start? That process started immediately that night. I immediately emailed our Adidas rep asking for the bowl package and all that kind of stuff that Adidas would offer us. And then by Monday morning, I had that in hands, and we were already working through that. Were you able to celebrate at all? A little bit. <laughs> I celebrated a little bit on Saturday night. All right, take fans specifically inside what that bowl order looks like, just what guys are getting and how that actually happens. 
a lot of times what we're doing is we're looking back at what we've done in the past, um, as much as I don't like to say that, but that's how we base all of our orders off of is by looking at what do we have we done in the past, and then from there, what is off new offered this year from the bowl package from Adidas, and then we just start building our bowl packages from there based on what we've done in the past and anything, anything new uh, that they've offered. Looking to the left in your office, as I look at your computer, you've got large binders representing each of your bowl trips, Georgia Southern, Minnesota, the like. I don't know how many pages are in those, but what kind of info are you looking back at to try to give you an idea of how to attack each new year? Looking back at what our packing lists were for those specific sites. So if we're in a warmer site or a colder site, what exactly did we take with us, didn't take with us, uh, just basing off of, you know, size of our football team, you know, the scope of that what all they're going to get from the bowl site itself, uh, locker room layouts, how do we do our load-in, load-out procedures from the hotel and the and the stadiums, uh, all that kind of stuff is all based in those binders. And then I take that information and just try to plug it in for where we're at this year. Okay, with Montgomery and the Camellia Bowl specifically, what are the considerations? Uh, locker room size, scope, how easy is the load-in, load-out uh, while we're there, and... Um, you know, whether or not um, and what our laundry procedures are going to be. Thinking back two years ago to New Orleans and the Arnell Carriers, New Orleans Bowl against Louisiana Tech, that was kind of its own animal because that was COVID, getting there the day before, leaving right after the game. Is there still an item or two that you can look back at that year to be able to use with an experience like this two years later? I think each bowl is unique in its in its own right. Experiences can somewhat be similar, but at the same time, too, they're their own different entity where I have to take into account for like two years ago, it was, okay, how quick can we get in and get out because of, of the COVID restrictions? This time around is when can we get in? How soon can we get into the locker room to do our setups? And how long do we have after the game to get out? Practice-wise, we'll start with what you've had to do in Statesboro because of graduation taking place at Paulson Stadium. A number of practices taking place over at Eagle Creek, and that's somewhere the team has been at times this year, but not really over the last three or four weeks. So trying to get those practices ready, is that the same as doing it during the season, or are there extra concessions because it is bowl season? For us, we operate as normal because of practice. You know, practice schedules don't change a whole lot, which is great. But for us, it, yeah, it feels it's a little extra special because we're getting to practice into late and mid-December uh, when nobody's on camp, when none of the student students are on campus, and it kind of frees us up a little bit to have our our student managers around a little more just to kind of hang out and be with those kids. Also, trying to work through the end of the semester with exams, with graduation, team's been practicing these last couple of days. But in terms of setting that schedule, where it's it's not necessarily an on the fly, but it's not like this has been set in stone for months. In the case that you would get here. What's the process like of trying to keep these guys ready for an experience like this? A lot of it has to do with what we're doing in the equipment room day in and day out, our daily operations. You know, the last week here with the guys kind of being off and just doing weights, we've been able to go through and get all the helmets uh, ready to go for the game. Game helmets are prepped, practice helmets we've gone through and done our normal weekly checks on those. Uniform-wise, we're starting to put those things together uh, as far as what we're wearing for the game. The bowl jerseys have gone out with the patches that arrived last week to get sewn on. You know, So we're kind of just keeping up with the little things that can get done now so that when we come to next week, Monday, we can start packing the semi. Yeah, the patches going out on social media got a lot of people's attention. It, it made it feel like it was real, mm-hmm. that Georgia Southern and Buffalo is coming up relatively soon. But 
Give us an idea of just how intense of that process is to take that many patches and put them on that many jerseys. It's making sure that you have, you know, you've gone through what we've gone through our jerseys and we've double-checked to make sure we've got everybody, making sure that the bowl has sent us enough, and if they haven't, then we've got to reach back out and make sure that we get the correct amount of bowl patches we need, get them sent out to our, our sewer, get them back, double-check to make sure everybody got back, you know, and then it's a matter of packing the trunks with all that stuff that needs to go on the truck. Late last week, you guys found out exactly what you were going to be getting with your bowl package in regards to gear. So if you would take us back through that and seeing the guy's excitement as to what this Camellia Bowl looks like apparel-wise. Yeah, so apparel-wise, it's a little bit different than what they've done in the past. They've gone, you know, Adidas has gone to this zero-die program where they're not, you know, everything's coming in stark white and it's super clean. And so it's a matter of uh you know, picking out we picked out the pieces that we've done in the past. So, like the new warm-ups, we did a a really neat T-shirt that uh, Adidas offered us, a a stocking cap, a, a pair of shoes that we've normally done, oh, and a pair of shorts um, for the guys. So, you know, it's a it's a nice it's a nice package from Georgia Southern. You guys are going to be heading to Montgomery on Friday for that matchup on the twenty seventh. This is five days' worth of travel for the bowl experience. Mentioned with 2020, it was leaving the day before, so these guys didn't really get a chance to go out and about in New Orleans and get that bowl experience. But when you have to plan for a five-day trip, walk us through the itinerary. Five-day trip. You are literally picking up the entire building and moving it to Montgomery <laughs> and then moving it back. Um, you know, So it comes down to, if you, if you think about just down here in the equipment room, we are literally packing up the equipment room and putting it on the semi. Uh, not that we don't do it every week, but now it's twice, three times as much as we're taking because we need to make sure that we're gonna be gone, while we're gone for those five days, we have backups for the backups for the backups just to make sure that in case somebody, we do forget something or somebody does forget something, we have a redundancy for that miss. Um, and then you start thinking about go, moving upstairs into the, to the office area. Now you're thinking about office supplies. Do we need to bring whiteboards, you know, laminating sheets, extra reams of paper, boxes of paper, all that kind of stuff, pens, markers, the whole nine to load up and move so we can operate like we would if we were here back in the office. Once you get to Montgomery practice-wise, I remember from four years ago there were some practices that took place whether it was at local high schools, getting a chance to get on the turf at the Crampton Bowl. I understand it's a little bit different this year. Yeah, we're, lo- we're really lucky enough that we get to actually locker and practice at the Crampton Bowl this year uh, because of the locker room situation. So it, it's going to be really a great atmosphere for, for our student athletes to get really used to that surface and to the end of the area. What is it like to travel with you guys? It's an awesome experience. We get to have it. They honestly are. They're a lot of fun, you know, especially after Big Dub, uh, like we did in Nebraska. But, you know, we've got a great staff, football staff here to work with. Um, and everybody, you know, everybody lean on, leans on each other. And it really is. And we talk about it all the time. And it's no, no lie, but this really is a family atmosphere. We have a great time together. At what point do you see students that want to get into this realize what it takes to do this really well? A couple weeks into the job for the students, um, you can explain it to them word of mouth. You can show it to them on a piece of paper. But until our student managers really take a deep dive into what we do, then they finally realize and understand what it takes to work for a Division One football team. And we're lucky enough that all of my student managers, all 11 of them, are really, really good students. And then they're really, really good at what they do here in the equipment room because they pay attention to detail. And those are the kids that we really love around here. 
I know this is a business and you guys have jobs to do, but how excited do you allow yourselves to get because you're a part of bowl season again? I get amped up on game day morning because at that point, you know, we've kind of put the whole trip to bed and now you get to really soak it all in. This isn't a job, it's a lifestyle and you've got to love your lifestyle in order to do what you do. And I love what I do. And so, you know, I'd let my, I pour all my heart and soul into throughout the week. And on game day is the day I get to kind of let it all hang loose. Being around this team like you have since the very beginning, even you could say go back to last November when Coach Helton first got here over the last 13 months, how would you describe the journey for this team to get to this point to say, hey, we're back in the postseason? Awesome to watch them grow from last November till now. You know, going off of last season, you know, like you could feel the disappointment in the guys. And as we kept going through winter workouts, through the summer, into the fall camp, and then getting that big win at Nebraska, you could feel the pulse of this team. And this team was probably, again, one of the most connected teams I've ever been a part of. I've been a part of a few national championships, and those kids were close, but I don't think they're as close as what this team is. What kind of an opportunity is the Camellia Bowl for this team in this program? Sky's the limit after this bowl game. We're excited about where we're at. You know, there's a whole lot of potential here. Georgia Southern is an extremely special place, extremely special. Uh, an appearance in a bowl game is is a shot in the arm. All right, let's say game is over, win or lose. That's the end of the season. That's the last time that team is going to be on the field together. How do you think this team's going to be remembered? Tough, united, and disciplined all the way through the entire season. Andy, thanks as always for the time. I appreciate what you guys do down here, and we will definitely catch up in Montgomery. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. We'll see you there. That is Andy Harris, Director of Equipment Operations for Georgia Southern Football. We'll have more Inside Eagle Nation right after this. You trained for this all year. Endless hours of cardio, conditioning, and weights. And now you are ready. Ready to trek back to your seat from the concession stand. Through the lines, lost fans, and that mascot who wants you to do a little dancey dance, all without spilling a drop of your ice-cold Bud Light. Welcome back to football, sports fans. Time for a full preview of the Buffalo Bulls on this week's edition of the Inside Eagle Nation podcast. And for that, we've got the Bulls beat writer from the Buffalo News, Rachel Lindsay, is with us today. Rachel, I know it's been crazy up in Buffalo with news of the transfer portal and everything else going on, but we appreciate a couple minutes today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this uh, matchup for many reasons at the Camellia Bowl. You know, obviously the big storyline is Kyle Van Trees, the Georgia Southern quarterback, is facing his former team at the University of Buffalo. But, you know, this is the first time, you know, in two years, UB has been bowl eligible. I think it's the fifth time in the last six seasons they've been bowl eligible. They didn't make it in 2017, even though they were six and six. But a lot of you know, people around the program, even though it was a six and six season this year, are excited because they believe it really brings UB back to the standard of making bowl games and representing the MAC after a year of transition last year under Maurice Linguist. You know, the cool thing on this side was that both teams needed to win that final game just to get to the postseason. But for Buffalo, it's a stranger path, starting 0-3, winning five straight, losing three more, only to come back from three scores down and beat Akron in the finale. But from someone who has seen this journey from the beginning, how would you describe the 2022 Buffalo Bulls? It is hard to describe it. You know, I, There are many words that come to my mind. They're very determined. They've been inconsistent. They found a way to come back and finish 
on the final game on one of the final plays in the regular season. And this was a team that rode a roller coaster this season, but this team did not give up. I can't think of how many times Maurice Linguist had said, you know, whether it was to me, whether it was during one of his post-game press conferences, you know, when we were 0-3 after losing to Coastal Carolina, we could have just cashed in and rolled over. But then they reeled off a five-game winning streak that puts them in reach of bowl contention. And then, you know, the roller coaster takes the plummet where they lose three games in a row, including, you know, losing back-to-back games in which they were ahead 24-7 at halftime at Central Michigan. They were ahead 24-10 early in the fourth quarter against Kent State. Games where they could have really delivered a knockout punch, if you will. They just let those two teams hang around, hang around, hang around, and come back. And then finally, after the Kent State loss, I looked at Maurice Linguist in a post-game press conference, and I said, why can't this team win games in, in November? Valuable games. And you know, gave a coach speak thought. James Patterson, a linebacker, basically said, you know, we've got to finish these games. We may have too many players who are getting comfortable winning, thinking about what they're going to do tonight after the game. And we can't have that attitude. We got to close this out. And finally it took this Herculean effort against Akron, which is one of the doormat teams in the Mac. They were down 16, nothing and came back to win 23, 22 on one of the last plays of the game. So that I think that Akron game really kind of embodied what this season was about. You bring up James Patterson, and he is such a cool story. I know that Kyle brought him up a lot in the story that you put mm-hmm. out not too long ago, but for somebody that's got 112 tackles this year, fifth in the MAC, to team up with Sean Dolak, who's leading the country in solo tackles, I think that Patterson would have been fine by himself, but to have somebody like Dolak as his running buddy this year, what has that done for the defense? Sean and James feed off each other. Sean's got a great story himself. He was a walk-on. He's a local guy from West Seneca East. He was the Buffalo News' player of the year as a senior in 2018. I remember covering high school games and I always talked to Sean Dolak. He was a two-way player at West Seneca East. He didn't get a lot of offers. He just has this, this, this heart of a lion. It's amazing you know, to see that tandem of him and James in you know, in, in UB's 4-2-5 set, they play with a, with a nickelback as well. I, it just, they, they really, really feed off each other. And James himself, he's got a really cool story. Uh, his older brother, Jarrett, now on uh, the practice squad with the Washington Commanders. James was recruited by a lot of Mac schools out of Vincent Pilati in Maryland. His brother wasn't recruited at all because his coach has said, oh, he's, he's too small. And he's, you know, he's a generous five foot seven on a good day. Uh, Jarrett Patterson. Jarrett became one of UB's elite running backs. I gave him a Heisman vote two years ago. Everybody said, oh, you know, wherever one's going to go, the other's going to go. So when Jarrett went pro, it really became James's time to shine here at UB. He's been a captain for at least four seasons. He's the guy who says, we've got to get this team on the same page. We've got to do this. You know, he, he speaks for the team and he, he speaks from the heart as well. And He's someone, you know, he he could have had the opportunity to transfer out, but he came back because he said over the summer, I want to get this team back to a bowl game. I want to teach this team how to win. I want to leave the program in a good place, which said a lot about him and his family. There's so much care. His mom was an elementary school principal in Baltimore. She just retired. His dad's you know, works, I believe, for the city of Washington as well. Just a really good work ethic, really good values team first guy and you know if you were to ask me who's deserving of being one of the captains of that team it is definitely james patterson 
part of a defense that's forced 26 turnovers this year. That's fifth most in the country, and I can see the Georgia Southern influence on that side of the ball. Brandon Bailey went to school down mm-hmm. here. Kevin Corliss, former linebackers coach, even Nate Baker has been on staff at Georgia Southern. But from the Buffalo side, how are the Bulls viewing this particular matchup against Georgia Southern? James Patterson said he's really excited to play against Kyle. The thing about this defense is they are ball hawks. They create opportunities. Sean Dolak's motor is always running. He wants to be near the ball. James Patterson, commander, you know, he really is the commander of the defense. The defensive line, they've got Damian Jackson up front. They've got Damon Williams, who if he's going to seek out a quarterback, he's going to find that quarterback. The secondary as well is led by Marcus Fuqua, third-team All-American selection. He's got a national leading seven interceptions, and he's a guy who he said, I was disappointed in last year. He had a pretty good year last year, but he said, I had to raise my game. All those guys work together, and I can't think of how many times defense set the tone for this team. The offense would be sputtering a game, sputtering a game, but you would see the defense go out and do its job. I mean, there were times they were worn down. They were tired. I remember a goal line stand against Kent State where – the defense just gassed and they came up with this huge stop on, I think it was on fourth down. And to me, that really embodied the defense. They are a team, they're not going to give up and they have bailed out this offense a lot this season. I know that running back has been a bit of a concern with two of the top three unavailable for that Akron game. Mike Washington did a nice job stepping in, but I like the way that offensively they use him maybe as much as a receiver as they do giving him the football. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's one thing that's really valuable about Mike. He is very versatile. He is another guy. He came in, I believe, as part of one of Lance Leipold's recruiting classes. He had entered the transfer portal and then withdrew from the transfer portal after Maurice Linguist came in and said, Hey, you know, I might have a chance here. And he he's especially emerged with the injury to Ron Cook. We don't know if Ron Cook's gonna be available yet. For the bowl game, he had he had gotten hurt against Central Michigan in, in mid-November, especially with the departure of Jamari Gassett, who has entered the transfer portal. He's one of their, you know, he was our third leading wide receiver. I think we're going to see Mike show a little more of that versatility, especially going into the bowl game. You know, again, the health of, of Ron Cook Jr. You know, hinges on that a lot as well, but also with Matt Myers, who, you know, widely became Another option on the run against uh, Kent State, but then entered the transfer portal again. Mike Washington really has an opportunity to further step up his game you know, with this bowl game. With Kyle coming to Georgia Southern for 2022, it gave Cole Snyder a chance to step in. Somebody that went back local, transferred in from Rutgers, but second in the MAC in passing, better than 2,700 yards. What kind of element has he given to that offense? He passes the ball. He will throw. He's not big running quarterback. He's more of a pocket passer, but he's a player who really sees the field well. Uh, his offensive line learned on the job in front of him. Protection was always a bit of an issue as well, but he, you know, he's, he's very, very different from Kyle Van Trees in that he's a little more conservative in his passing game as well. He's more of a decision maker. He's more about quickly looking at the defense, analyzing it, working back in the pocket and then making those throws as well. I started in 2018 covering UB when Tyree Jackson was the quarterback and Tyree was almost this, I don't want to say, you know, I'm saying in player skills only football wise, kind of this Ben Roethlisberger type where he was just, he was very tall, athletic. He was a big guy. He's a tight end with the Philadelphia Eagles now, 
but his speed and his athleticism were so deceptive. He would run the ball and he did these very long strides. After being used to that for a year, I was like, okay, we got to pull back. Matt Myers is more of an RPO guy. Kyle was a little more conservative, but Kyle had the ability to move around as well. He could run, he could pass, he could reach. He was athletic, you know, but he wasn't a Tyree Jackson. So I've seen these three different quarterbacking styles. Then Cole comes in and he's strictly, you know, a pocket passer as well. He just has a really, really good sense and vision of the field and the ability to process information quickly and make decisions. In the 10 months that I've had a chance to work with and know Kyle Van Trees, he's one of the top people that I've ever had a chance to speak with. But for people that have known him in Buffalo for the first five years of his career, how is he still regarded up there? People like Kyle. I always enjoyed working with Kyle. He always, always had him very professional very intelligent, kind of analytical, a little humorous, you know, and I, his dad reached out to me after Kyle announced he was going to transfer, you know, thank me for all the coverage he did. And I said, no, you know, thank, thank you. You know, Kyle was like dealing with a professional football player, the way he carried himself, the way he dealt with people. I thought that was very important. And one of the things about the sports market here in Buffalo, we are a pro town. Uh, people, you know, identify Josh Allen, people identify Jeff Skinner from the Buffalo Sabres. People identify Stefan Diggs from the Bills. Colleges aren't on the same plane. So it, I think not just Kyle, but at UB was a little more appreciative of all the coverage they got. Kyle could go into a restaurant and not be mobbed. You know, it was just, he kind of had a little bit of an anonymity here, which I think suited him well, but he knew his job. He knew what to do and he knew his role, you know, with UB. And he, he really thrived when, you know, when he took over as the starter in 2019, he wasn't even the starting quarterback. In 2019, he led them to two bowl victories, led them to a MAC championship game. They lost to Ball State in 2020, but just really, really accomplished a lot. You know, once he got that opportunity to be a starter, he ran with it literally and figuratively. I can say that from a Georgia Southern standpoint, very proud of what Tyler Bass has done with the Buffalo Bills as well, and watching him become a Pro Bowler. Mm -hmm. That's been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely the Bassinatic. I mean, he's he's a bit of a cult hero here in Buffalo as well. One thing I wanted to touch on is the number 41 jersey, something that is near and dear to Buffalo due to the loss of Solomon Jackson back in 2016, something that originally was a season-long deal, but now that number rotates every week. What kind of meaning does that hold in that program? When that happened, it deeply affected Lance Leipold, the former coach. And my first week at the news they had announced that number 41 was going to be uh, given to a player to wear I don't know if that was the first time they had done that it was September August September 2018 but I dug a little bit into it you know uh, UB wanted to memorialize Solomon Jackson the players are you know they're educated about his story and every player who wears that jersey says you know you feel a little different you feel a little more empowered wearing that jersey and as well you've seen some of the you know some of the players just have these fantastic games when they're wearing and not just this season but in years past as well you know Sean Dolak wore it once Mike Washington wore it a couple weeks ago had a really really solid game. So there's definitely an understanding about the importance of it and the, the memory of Solomon to do that as well. And it's, it's really become a tradition at UB. Okay. How would you describe the Buffalo fan base and how they're going to travel to Montgomery since this is the second trip there in the last three tries? It's been difficult to gauge. It's Christmas time. There's a Bills game in Chicago. I think the Sabres might be playing right afterwards. Uh, you know, a few of the faithful have decided they're going to go down. You're going to see the families. 
I am wondering what kind of turnout there will be, especially given I didn't travel to the bowl game two years ago because of COVID restrictions. I mean, we were we were not allowed to travel anywhere. You know, nobody wanted to get sick or do anything as we were in the height of a pandemic. I'm hoping that there is a solid turnout. There's some UV representation. We have direct flights from Atlanta. That's what a two hour drive to Montgomery uh, post Christmas. So we'll we'll see how that unfolds. What would a win represent for that program? First off, it would get them above 500. It would be you know their third bowl win in four years because they won the Bahamas Bowl. They won the Camellia Bowl. They would win again. I think it would validate UB's season. You know, hey, we came back and did this as well. But there are going to be a lot of question marks considering they've they lost at least 10 players to the transfer portal including their number two and number three quarterbacks in Casey Case, their starting center in Jack Haas. Cornerback Elijah Blades has, has decided to opt out of this game. Uh, the players who enter the transfer portal or opt out will not be playing in this game as well either. Uh, you know, they lost one of their tight ends, Tyler Borland, to the transfer portal as well. A win would validate this season and show, hey, we're not just here to show up. We are looking forward to the trip. We are looking forward to the first ever matchup between Georgia Southern and Buffalo in the 2022 Camellia Bowl. Rachel Lindsay of the Buffalo News has been our guest. Thank you so much for your time. Hopefully get a chance to catch up down in Montgomery. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to meeting you. I'm looking forward to being at the Camellia Bowl. It's time to pack your bags because Savannah Hilton Head International offers nonstop flights to a variety of major cities, including Denver, Miami, New York City, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Cleveland, and many more. Eight airlines, 26 nonstop destinations. Savannah Hilton Head International, the official airport of Georgia Southern Athletics. See where the airport can take you at flysav.com. Our thanks this week to Andy Harris and Rachel Lindsay for joining us to help preview Georgia Southern versus Buffalo at the Camellia Bowl. And one more congratulations to our outstanding student athletes for setting the department record for fall GPA, a 3.08 clip. Just awesome to talk about the success of our athletes in the classroom as well. A reminder that tomorrow night, Georgia Southern men's basketball finishes up non-conference play at Ball State, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock tip-off from Muncie, Indiana. Next broadcast will be the 26th of December, the following Monday in Montgomery, a two-hour special of Hale Southern Live, 4.30 to 6.30 Eastern. If you're on site in Montgomery, 3.30 to 5.30 Central, as we spend two full hours recapping what's been a crazy 2022 season and previewing the Camellia Bowl matchup against Buffalo, that'll lead right into the pep rally located at the train station just next door to the Georgia Southern Team Hotel, which this year is at the Embassy. And then on Tuesday, the 27th, it's the 2022 Camellia Bowl. First time ever, Georgia Southern versus Buffalo. Eagles trying to win the Camellia Bowl for the second time, improved to 4-1 all-time in bowls, and finished Clay Helton's first season with a winning record. We'll be live at 10 a.m. Eastern for the Cutwater Spirits Tailgate Show, kickoff at noon from the historic Crampton Bowl. Eagle Nation, we can't thank you enough for your support in 2022. Let's go to Montgomery and let's bring back another trophy for Georgia Southern football. Until next time, I'm Danny Reed. And you've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation. You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation, powered by Learfield, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics. 